yeah, yeah. Short hour two, Troy and I have to bounce at 5.30. We'll give you a couple of best of segments from earlier this week. My two favorite uh, out of the week. But I'm Mitch Fortner. Over here is Troy Coverdale, Sage Williams. Just us three today. Just chilling as we head into the weekend. Hope you got a great weekend playing. Anything going on, Troy, other than you're going to be pretty busy, it sounds like, with No Stone Unturned. Uh, yeah, uh, doing uh, audio over at the gala here coming up in a little bit with my good friend Greg Harkrader, and uh, and we will uh, take things through the evening. But then I, I get recovery day tomorrow. So you gonna um, at the auction? You gonna bid on anything? Probably not, um, because if I do, the likelihood of me getting it runs pretty high because I've run into that problem before, and my wife is out of town for the next. 10 days and so it'd be a little rough to try to explain yeah i bid x on this and one i have not i haven't bought anything at an auction in a long time the last time i did i needed new speakers for my truck and that auction just happened to have some got them for like 20 bucks and they worked great fantastic fantastic purchase there and then i saw these giant speakers and i mean they were probably i'm trying to like they're like I'm not joking, like four feet, eh, like three and a half feet tall, maybe four feet wide, something like the box. It was, it was a good size, good size speaker. And there were a pair of them and I wanted them. I was like, these are going to be great. I was like, but you know, when they're on an auction, they're not guaranteed to work. Right. And I got both for 80 bucks. I was like, that is a steal. Like a guy came up to me during the auction. He's like, man, you just got the steal of the auction. Those go for like 600 bucks a piece. I'm like, yes, let's go. I'm about to be rich. <laughs> and then I get them home and I, I, you know, get a, a few things here from the radio station to test them out and they don't work. Oh, shoot. And I looked into what it would take to fix them. I was like, this is not worth it. So what they've turned into is nice decoration. There you go. Uh, they're basically in tables at this point <laughs> the two plaques that hang above my desk in our office those were one at a uh, northeast kansas uh, slash hiawatha cat packers event a number of years ago i was at monica was not i come home with those and she looks at me with the look of death no i i looked into fixing them and it was like i did like take them to missouri to get them done i was like i don't think it's worth that effort yeah yeah, I'm going to make it rich and famous in radio like everybody else, so I think I'll be fine. <laughs> At least full-time found, dreams. You, you found a, a way to utilize them. Sage, what are you up to? Uh, this weekend, I'm going to Wichita, actually. My best friend has been living there over the summer on an internship, and she has been feeling kind of lonely. Uh-oh. So <laughs> I'll be going there. Well, here in hour two of the game... Um, as a matter of fact, during the break, Pete Thamel of ESPN has released an article about uh, conference realignment, and I did kind of want to catch up, and this was before this article came out. I mean, we're talking, it just came out a few s- minutes ago, and I wanted to just kind of get caught up because it feels like there really hasn't been anything concrete mm-hmm. with conference realignment. It truly hasn't felt like there's been a need to talk about it because just the lack of information. I know there's been people that are... Maybe like you know, ten thousand people, ten thousand followers are reporting this and reporting that. Some the, have been the, taken very seriously. The ultimate was the swimming website 
Oh yeah, the swim reporter that put out something yesterday. I'm sorry. I I need I need those that have like a hundred thousand followers <laughs> to let me know what is uh, what is really going on. But uh, this Pete Thamel article is an ESPN Plus article, and when it's the summer, I tend to just cancel my ESPN Plus and I'll bring it back in the fall. So I didn't have it, but I asked Troy. I was like, Troy, pretty please, could you read this article and see if there's anything significant. That we could tell our listeners about. The only thing really that is meat of this that uh, that I can get through to it is that you're looking at uh, Thamel noting that the extent of the discussions at the early part of the week between Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah were, quote, overstated in reports. There's been back-channel conversations your mark as the new commissioner does appear to be aggressive. The Pac-12, though, apparently has those four, among the others, for the moment, convinced to slow down and see what the numbers on this ACC partnership that's been floated out could look like before making any decisions. So everybody uh, is waiting, according to an industry source. Well, I'm waiting too, guys, and so is the rest of college football. We're waiting to see how much of a mess you're going to make this already mess. We learned, what was it, about three days ago on Tuesday, Pac-12, they're really going to push in the next month. They kind of set aside this window, this 30-day window, to try to negotiate a new TV deal, to try to save the Pac-12, and that included with the first kind of a reported idea of having this loose relationship with the ACC. As much as anything, it's a matter of tying together their media rights as it pertains to advertising dollars and being able essentially to put Pac-12 games and the like on the ACC network. I'm sure that would get a ton of eyeballs on the ACC network instead of uh, Wake Forest and Duke. Well, you're looking at it more in the case of uh, what wouldn't be live on the network goes to the ACC plus angle. I mean, that still doesn't sound like a great no deal. I mean, but, but okay, if you're look the at smaller it, sports, well, look at it in the case of what the current situation is with the PAC 12 network though. A total disaster, right? Because it has no carriage, almost no carriage, uh, even of the streaming uh, areas, n- almost no carriage. What is it? I think Hulu maybe has them. Does YouTube TV have the Pac-12 networks? No. Okay, not that it, I know of. Yeah, one of them, one of the of the setups does, but I don't remember f- full on which one does. I know YouTube has ACC. Has SEC and mm-hmm. um, Big Ten, but there's the difference. Pac-12 network has been the least carried of all of those sure. networks, and so this would give them basically they would be riding on the backs of the ACC network at this point to get bailed out of what was Larry Scott's dream, and it was a total a debacle, and that was running his own networks. You know where they did literally split it apart in seven different, seven different feeds. 
I mean, they were competing with themselves on Saturdays at points where they had games scheduled against another game on conference game-wise. Well, I mean, well, Fox will do that. Fox will we, do, we'll do that. that with the Big 12. I've seen it many times. But it just, in many ways, wound up being competing with themselves. And if they're not getting carriage, it's a drain. It is an absolute drain on the budget. And I say that knowing a good number of the Pac-12 announcers, you know, it, it just to, to have production facilities for all of that and then not to be carried on cable systems just was a hole amidst a number of holes that they had. So this would be patching up that one area to at least try and get them some carriage so that those games down the schedule, say a Washington State, Oregon State game, would at least have some carriage somewhere so that fans could watch if they want. Now, I'm very glad to hear Brett Yormark has been, we'll use the word aggressive. Right. August 1st was supposed to be day one, but... No, he's already he, he's working. Yeah, exactly. He, I mean, he, he's he fully got invested. In yeah, he's fully invested. He has, I'm sure, he has great ideas for the Big Twelve, and he, I mean, he he took the job for a reason. And boy, the timing of taking that job maybe couldn't have come better with where the Big Twelve currently stands, with where you feel its power is, and if you're able to get Arizona, Arizona State, which I've said before, I mean, the market, like the potential market, is very intriguing. Maybe the eyeballs that have actually watched those two teams aren't great, but you just want the market. And you also get Colorado and, and Utah, what had been previously mentioned before. I mean, yeah, you, you feel like that's a pretty strong win. You would take that, absolutely. It would be a bonus if Oregon and Washington come along as well. You would certainly welcome them, mm-hmm. those six in, with open arms. Absolutely. You'd feel very comfortable about that countrywide reach for a, pra- a, a a Big 12 TV package that'll be uh, figured out in the next few years, whenever that will be. Um, I mean, and TV is so weird these days. It's certainly not what it used to be like with Nielsen and oh, putting those yeah. boxes in the on the, on the TV or whatever to just track what you watch anymore. And social media has been a big part of that, and, and streaming as well. Like it's not as sports is, is one thing. Um, like I, I think of ratings like with, with the way it used to be with wrestling. The ratings war was such a huge story. I mentioned in the first hour in the late 90s and early 2000s uh, between WWE and WCW where it was like a cutthroat ratings war. It was very important to have the bigger number than the other. But like on social media, you can easily keep up with what's going on. And I don't. it's maybe not exactly that in sports, but maybe it has a little bit to do with it where you can easily just look up on social media what the score is or get recaps or – play-by-play on social media from the media, tweeting out everything that happens. It's very easy to keep up with what's going on. But that Phoenix market, I mean, it's the 11th biggest market in the country. I mean, you definitely want that. Salt Lake City, if you can get BYU and Utah, I'm not sure how big, when it comes to the rankings of other of um, sports market as Denver is, but I'll, I mean... That's a pretty great one, too. And now all of a sudden you find yourself stretching from, almost, stretching from coast to coast depending on Washington and Oregon. But it's clear that Brett Yarmark knows what's going on. 
He knows what he has to do. And it's about he's there to play ball. He's there to be aggressive. I really wonder how much in the conversations leading up to his hiring, how much conversation already was being held regarding media rights and potential realignment. I would think that someone in those interviews was probably on top of asking those questions to get a feel for if he was the right candidate in that case. Now, I'm sure... um you know, depending on what the ACC and Pac-12, if they, you know, if the ACC really wants the Pac-12 and not just a handful of teams mm-hmm. to be a part of that, um, that could be definitely a factor on if certain teams decide, yeah, I'll loop in and get this, or no, it sounds like a terrible deal. Screw you, Pac-12. I'm bouncing to the Big 12. Um, again, I mean, it's it's a little bit of detail that we got out of that, but still. A lot of speculation to be had and playing the conference realignment game. Who's going where? Who makes a better deal for a conference than another? It's still messy, and it sounds like we're still potentially. I mean, who knows when this is all be resolved, but it hasn't yet. When we come back, since we are short, Sage is going to take over, get a little ask us anything before Troy and I split with a couple of best of segments after ask us anything next. Before we get to Sage, some very important news to pass along, and that is Elon Musk will not be buying Twitter. Not going to happen. So that means no edit button. Gosh dang it. All right, Sage, up, go ahead. Up, updated. Elon Musk is going to be sued by Twitter. Oh, that's fun. Um, let's go on to who in your life is the worst at using technology. I feel like that's a good segue. Oh, my parents. That's easy. My parents, I mean, a lot of my family, but... Uh, it took them a minute to just figure out texting. Like, they just picked it up a couple of years ago. Now it's to teach my mom how to copy and paste on a computer or a phone. Dad just recently got a cell phone. Oh, there you go. It's a flip phone. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a flip phone. It's a good phone to have <laughs> But that for a should while. tell you about my dad and technology <laughs> right there. Um, now, how old is your dad? 74. So and Congratulations, Dad. Father, uh, Mr. Coverdale, on your uh, first phone. Dad, Dad was a billing clerk with Santa Fe for years, Santa Fe Railway for years, and he complained about the fact that he would have preferred to just continue to do all the books by hand. Oh, geez. That's a lot I of mean, work. when you have your way, you, you have know, your way. It, it's, yeah. it's hilarious because my mom, on the opposite end of it, was in charge of IT at a bank. See, my grandma, she doesn't understand technology, and the problem happens when my dad and her interact, because my dad tries to explain things to her, but she can't hear very well, so he's like yelling at her and trying to explain technology, and it's a kind of an uncomfortable room. Sure. <laughs> um, next up, what is something that almost nobody agrees with you on? Like an opinion you have about something. For me... It's um, that strawberries, I think strawberries taste sour, and nobody has agreed with me ever on that for some reason. I don't know why. That the first Top Gun's a bad movie. <laughs> I get a lot of, I know Sam Honeybuns agrees with me, but not many agree, especially those older than me. I think it's just kind of a boring concept, in my opinion, so I'm not. Well, yeah, the I'm new one is, is fantastic. Okay. You're, you're both going to razz me so bad um, on this one. I'm bring dying it on, to hear it. Bring it on. Reality TV is worthless. Oh, 
that's a terrible take. Well, like, the thing is, though, like, everybody, like, most people would be like, oh, yeah, it's trash, but they all watch it. They all watch in some way or another some of reality TV. All right, Sage is telling us to get out of here because Troy and I need to bounce. A couple of best of segments when we come back for the live show, though, for Sage, Troy, I'm Mitch. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Go Cats. Well, speaking of uh, somebody who can who can throw a pass, he considers himself a pocket passer, and that is from Mays High, the four-star recruit and the number one recruit in the state of Kansas. It is Avery Johnson with a big announcement yesterday that he has picked K-State. He announced his commitment over Oregon and Washington, and Derek Young from K-State Line, he was down there. But first of all, I wanted to know, since you were there, what was the atmosphere like at Mays High School, because I saw some pictures of like the crowd who was in attendance. It seemed like there were more people there for this one than a derby for Dylan Edwards. Yeah, I, I would think so, and I, I think there was even some just fans in general that were not necessarily associated with the high school or Avery and his family there as well. Um, there was probably a few hundred people there, but because it was being streamed live on CBS Sports, and they couldn't. And, you know, bring in like the they, they wanted to avoid an echo. We didn't hear that side of it, actually. So the, the gym was actually silent as that interview is taking place. And when they go to break, there's just you could hear a pin drop in the gymnasium. So being there, there was a kind of a different element because, um, you know, Avery was listening to the CBS people through through his uh, AirPods, I think, that he had in. So we didn't hear that part of it. And he wasn't on a microphone that was connected to the gymnasium because they didn't want that to, you know, echo in on TV. So it was interesting having to be quiet and, and kind of having to kind of just assume and guess what was happening. We just saw him put on the hat, but it, I mean, it was really probably as loud as it sounded. It, it was pretty loud there. And, and nearly that entire half of the gym, the bleachers was uh, nearly uh, full capacity. I don't even think I noticed the AirPods. He, of course, had his golden locks, maybe covering those ears. And uh, we can see that. I, I, Yeah, of course, we didn't know. I was watching on CBS Sports HQ when it all went down, and it, it sounded like the uh, the audio was actually just coming through the laptop. So it wasn't like crystal clear audio or anything like that. But we did hear the crowd pop of when the announcement was made, and CBS Sports HQ was actually kind of struggling with that audio for a little bit. As uh, he was, Avery was being drowned out. He couldn't hear the questions uh, right after his announcement was made. Uh, so everybody was prepared for the stream. Was everybody prepared for it to go like 15 minutes before the announcement was made? No, no. I mean, it, I mean, the gym was you know just silent for a good 10 or 12 minutes there. I don't think anyone anticipated um, the the break in between either. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't think that, that we was anticipated weird. that. So yeah. It, it, just because of that side of things that being aired on television, there it brought definitely an interesting wrinkle to it all. They like say, I, I can't remember the host name is his last name St. Louis, but I can't remember his first name. But uh, he was saying, "Oh, we'll be back in sixty seconds. Don't go anywhere. The announcement's next, and we get a commercial from Geico." I swear, it went longer than thir- uh, went longer than sixty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, it definitely did. That was because I we I was just holding my phone waiting. Because I was videoing it from my phone. I was just waiting. It was definitely more than 60 seconds. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. was somebody there like like in control of like a, like kind of like an MC? Like, all right, everybody hush up. We're going live. 
uh, the athletic director did before uh, it, they went on said we have to be quiet so they can hear everything and unfortunately not going to be able to use a microphone it's piped in here because of the effects they can have on television so mm -hmm. yeah it would, it would, the athletic director definitely made everyone aware of, of how it was going to have to operate and he didn't say anything when they went to break or maybe even didn't know no do i don't think <laughs> i don't think anybody knew that there was going to be a break so that is hilarious so it's an awkward silence for over a minute <laughs> uh, yeah, it was i mean it was an awkward silence for the entire 10 minutes right because no one can really hear avery yeah he seems a little soft-spoken that's for sure um so we get the announcement I mean, when it came down to the final seconds, really no drama. You've, you've been pretty confident that he was picking K-State for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he had actually committed to Kansas State to the coaching staff, Colin Klein and Chris Kleinman via phone call um, about a week, week and a half before that, but even before he left for Los Angeles to compete at the Elite 11 finals. So I think they were pretty aware that they were going to be um, the hat that he put on. So, yeah, not not a big surprise in, in like – and I had also reported some of the drama was kind of taken away because it, it sounds like Oregon's going to have their quarterback. Not sure he's going when he's going to announce, but they're definitely trending for Dante Moore. And, and Washington landed a quarterback before Avery's decision. So it did take away some of the drama of it as well. Now, I know afterwards like there was a breakout session with the media. I haven't really heard anything from that yet. Uh, I know you've tweeted about a few things. But before we get to that, so you obviously got to be up close with him during this interview. I, I noticed that he was wearing like a three-piece blue suit, but from what I could see on social media afterwards and also the live stream with CBS Sports HQ, it looked like he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt with that suit. Can you confirm or deny my, my uh, opinion on that or my, uh, my guess on that? I guess I'm not as observant as you, but, but I remember – but uh, I think it looked something like that. I don't. I can't confirm or deny. Really, it probably was, but it's just not something that I really harped on. But it, it definitely had that appearance. My God, that would have been my first question. Are those, are those pineapples on that shirt, Avery? <laughs> I was like, interesting choice Next from question. Mays, Kansas. <laughs> uh, the cool kids, though, they can pull those kind of things off, though. That's right. Uh, they can, uh, Everybody at uh, Mays High School next year are going to be wearing suits with Hawaiian shirts. That'll be a theme for one game <laughs> for Mays High, maybe when they play Derby. Um, but at that breakout session, anything stand out to you about what he said, maybe about – you know, we, we hear from Dylan Edwards that he's going to be out re helping recruit, and I'm sure Avery's going to be doing the same. Yeah, I mean, Avery, you know, he pinpointed two prospects that he wanted to target, and it was, you know, uh, wide receiver prospects, Jacoby Lane and Joshua Manning, who, you know, most everyone felt already knew that uh, Kansas State was in the picture with, so he'll be kind of exercising his, his leverage now from the Kansas State perspective to – try to get them in the fold and in, you know, he was pretty forthcoming and, and that he really didn't start to really pursue Kansas state as a legitimate option until Colin Klein was named the offensive coordinator. Now this past weekend, Avery Johnson wasn't alone. As a matter of fact, he followed up another uh, now committed cat when it comes to making his announcement. This comes from Florida in Joe Jackson Another running back, he's an all-purpose back like Dylan Edwards, like a Deuce Vaughn. He's three stars, and he committed on um, the 4th of July. And I, I, I can't remember. I have terrible memories. We've talked a whole lot about him, but didn't he? I mean, he really jumped onto the scene right after Dylan Edwards made his announcement. Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he was kind of already there as a um, a serious running back option too. He visited in the spring and loved it, and um, and as soon as they green lighted him in June, said we want you on official visit, and Dylan Edwards just committed, so we probably only have you know a spot left here if you want it, and he booked the flight and and uh, t- took that official visit right away and and, and committed to Kansas State. So it, it was. One of those things where they, they had pl- they had a few different options at running back remaining that they really, really liked and made it clear to him that there was probably only one spot left if he wanted it, and he jumped on it. But they, they had been recruiting him for, for a handful of months, so it wasn't something that just bursted onto the scene recently. Uh, they had him on campus um, during the spring. I think he saw a spring football practice, and, and they made it clear to him that they really wanted him, but time was of the essence, and, and he jumped on it. And, of course, K-State football is just white hot right now with its recruiting, especially in the last couple of months. This summer has been really, really special for K-State football, especially the in-state kids. I noticed today on K-State Online, speaking out, pumping out the content, I'm sure the numbers are through the roof right now, just like the game podcast numbers. But Grant Flanders from K-State Online put out a ranking, and I thought that was very interesting, ranking the, the 12 commits for K-State so far, easy guesses on who's number one and two. Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, I think they'd be number one and number two on everybody's list. I'm not going to spoil who Flando had at number three. I mean, you got to go to K-State Online and check that out yourself. It's a great read. I'm curious on who D.Y. has at number That's three. Number three. Uh, here, let's see here. I would probably lean towards... I want to say the the Blue Valley receiver, Andre Davis. Okay. I think I would probably lean that way. I have him as a top five player in the state. Um, I think what I went with was Avery Johnson at one, John Randall at two, Joe Otting at three, Dylan Edwards at four, and um, Andre Davis at five. Those were my state rankings that I put out you know, a few weeks ago. So going by that, I think uh, Andre Davis would probably be my third, although – you know, I'm pretty high on Kanigel Thomas, the cornerback that just landed out of Dell City, Oklahoma, and uh, you know, also Kanda Beebe. Um, I'm probably higher on him than a lot of other people are too. So those are the probably the three that rushed to my mind. Um, are Drew Galway at KSO? He really likes Donovan McIntosh, the cornerback, the other cornerback commit that they just landed not too long ago, really long um, defender from St. Louis. So I mean, it's a really good class. You really can't go wrong with any of them. And if you go by rivals rankings in general, um, number three is probably Davis, like I said, or Joe Jackson. They have Joe Jackson ranked pretty high um, in the rivals rankings. I know he's he's not Avery Johnson, but we also had a local kid in Hayden Oviatt commit mm-hmm. uh, on the 4th of July to Army. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever seen him play? Not not in person, but I, I know that part of his recruitment um, and why Kansas State never really became an option is he really wanted to play quarterback. And I think Kansas State wanted him as a defensive player. I think KU wanted him as a defensive player. And I, I think his quarterback options were with Army, Colorado State, and, and New Mexico State. And he's a really good athlete. You can see that on the film. I just don't know that the Power 5 options really saw him as a quarterback. And he sees himself as a quarterback, which explains the choice. I, I really felt that Army was a good selection for him, given the triple option that he can fit into that very well. Yeah, I mean, it's a good scheme fit. 
because you know the, the throwing part of it is where some of the questions lied. But he could have went there. He could have went to Colorado State, New Mexico State, where Jerry kills the head coach. He's really recruiting Kansas quite a bit right now too. So that that would have been a solid option because they're going to probably take care of the, the kids from Kansas at that at that school going forward. And D.Y. pretty much answered all my questions. I had three of them on Hayden, and he answered all of them pretty much in uh, in one answer. Bang, bang. Because I, I, I had heard that about Hayden, about schools wanting to play defense, and, well, he didn't play any defenses last season. He's been all quarterback, and that's because Weston Moody is very blessed as a football coach at Wamigo because as a 4A program, he has enough players that nobody needs to play both ways. Everybody plays that one position, position and uh, you're not seeing the same player on both offense and defense. So, but I, I agree. I thought you know Hayden is a is a great fit for for Army. And by the way, for those that don't know, if you haven't been paying attention to the future football schedules for uh, K State, you know if they stand still the way they are, Army is scheduled to play in Manhattan in uh, in 2025. All right, uh, Dy, let's take our first break here on the game, and when we come back, we can talk a little uh, preseason All Big Twelve team. That was released earlier today. That's next. Are you guys ready for my top 10 list of the week? Yeah. So I put the question out there earlier today on Twitter. Songs that best describe K-State football recruiting right now. Now, (laughs) got so many responses, and they were all just dynamite. Dynamite. Fantastic additions. Like, suggestions. But I didn't put it out there that I was putting together a top 10 list with this stuff. I didn't pick a whole lot of songs from those suggestions because it was a lot of songs that would describe the streak they're on like it's hot right now Ah. hot 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 is k-state recruiting yeah i wanted to more tell the story of k-state recruiting through songs in this top 10 list wow okay so here we go number 10 where does every commitment start it's a tweet from taylor bratt bring on the cats Bring on the Cats, that's from the Tanner Dirks band from right here in Manhattan. Very nice. I don't know if those folks are still making music. Tanner Dirks, even if you're listening, call in right now. I want to ask you questions about that song. <laughs> That'd be good. Number nine. I did a top 10 list once about the Snyder playlist, and I thought this would be a great addition to the Snyder playlist. It's Moment of Truth by Survivor. Guys, we've had a couple of them now where K-State's made it to the finish line, and these student-athletes are announcing their commitment in front of an audience, one on uh, on television, mm-hmm. on, the, on the website, you know, for CBS Sports, but it was televised. Awesome. And it came down to, all right, this is the moment of truth. Is K-State going to win this big-time commit or not? It's something we've never really witnessed very much at all in K-State recruiting history. It's like the putting on the hat, I'm committing to K-State. Yeah, that's a moment of truth announcement that K-State has now won 
two of them. Yeah. Number eight. Number eight of songs that best describe K-State football recruiting right now. So this is Coming Home by Diddy Dirty Money featuring Skylar Gray. I know it's not exactly staying home, but they're in a way also coming home. They're coming to K-State with these in-state recruits. We've seen the hashtags about staying home. Guys, they're coming home. They're coming to K-State. That's where home is is a, a part of the top ten right there. Number seven. So, DG, you know what this is? K-State football is sexy right now. It is the sexy program in the Big 12. We're forgetting about Oklahoma and Texas. Whatever. They have completely shifted what's going on with in-state recruiting. The top talent now wants to go to Kansas State University. And I thought, what better way to explain that than with the Shawn Michaels theme song called Sexy Boy that he used for his almost entire career in the WWE. And a little swagger, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's like, also a ton of swagger. We're hot, we know it. Come on. <laughs> Number six. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Frank Sinatra has come fly with me. Guys, these two in-state recruits, Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson, have both said that they're going to also go after those other in-state recruits, maybe some a little bit outside of the state. Yeah. They want to come fly. They want those recruits to come fly with them to Manhattan, Kansas, and be cats. They're talking about even flipping some commits. They're talking to you, Joe Otting, Mr. Notre Dame. Forget those guys. Come to King State. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Number five. Now, let's get to what I mentioned earlier with the suggestions I got on Twitter. A lot of them talking about the current state is in the hot streak. K-State recruiting is hot. Got a lot of recommendations. This one came in late. I felt like it was the best fit. Me mind on fire. <laughs> Me soul on fire. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Hot <laughs> people all around me feeling hot, hot, hot. It is the Buster Poindexter version of Hot, Hot, Hot. You also might remember when Michael Scott was uh, somewhat performing this on The Office. Yes. I also remember this guy. He was a taxi driver in that movie, Scrooged. Yes. Man. Oh, I I don't know a thing about Buster Poindexter other than this song. Uh, He's an alter ego of the former leader of the Saturday Night Live band. All right, it's my top 10 list of songs that best describe K-State football recruiting right now. Number four. You can't touch this. <laughs> can't touch this. Every recruit K-State is winning. They're beating out KU, Iowa State, and a number of other Power 5 programs. So it feels like K-State football just can't be touched right now. Of course, it also I mean, you can also put it together with a song we just played a few moments ago with the Shawn Michaels theme song. They're sexy right now. It's a sexy, uh, sexy program. But, you know, 
I got to thinking, you know, what would be for the coaching staff, what would be like their victory dance? Like what would be their end zone touchdown dance if they were to celebrate in front of KU and Iowa State? For some reason it just popped in my mind doing hammer time. Oh yeah, the the move, the it dance. It seems move? like they would just bust that out. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe among others, but for you know, just kind of knowing their age, like a median age of what would be the best fit for them. Mm-hmm. And the culture. It's got to be hammer time, right? I thought I told you. Just can't touch this. Yeah. Number three. Number three of my top ten list of best songs that describe K-State football recruiting right now. Number three. <laughs> I am a lineman for the county. And I drive the main road. Troy gets it. What the hell? Wichita lineman? I mean, there's a key word, and it's Wichita. Right. There aren't many songs about Wichita. Or linemen, just not (laughs) the same meaning. If if it was a bunch of linemen out of Wichita committing, this would have been perfect. Right. And it would have been number one, but it's number three because of Wichita. Wichita Here it is. I mean, Wichita is still on the line. There's still some recruits out of old Wichita that the Cats would love to have. But currently, four of the 12 commits are from the Wichita area. Hmm. Travion, have you ever heard that song before? Glenn Campbell? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Number two. Number two. I thought... Overall, all of the song suggestions I got on Twitter, this was the best one. Give a shout to Blake Morris on Twitter coming in. I believe he was actually the first to comment on that post, on that tweet. And I felt this was a great fit for the current state of K-State football recruiting. Here's number two. Don't stop me now. Listen to the lyrics. Cats aren't done. Just getting started. <laughs> Can't stop the cats. And another, um, another part of that song. It's been a ton of fun. This has been a load of fun. Thank you, K-State football, for being successful, first of all. You guys deserve all the thank yous in the world for the success you're having with the 2023 class. It's a lot of fun. And, yes, nothing's stopping them now, guys. But we're not done there. We still got one song to go. Number one. My number one song for songs that best describe K-State football recruiting right now. Yeah. Uh-huh.
I'm not sure which is worse. And the sky this version or KU's version after playing football. <laughs> it's one of their marching band I items. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that I don't either. hear it very often. Yeah, exactly. It's Home on the Range, guys. This is the state song of Kansas. Written by... Go ahead. Edgar Allan Poe. Nice try. Oh, I thought I was going to drop knowledge. Come on. Guys, half of the recruits from Kansas are from the state of Kansas. Mm -hmm. For the first time ever in Rivals rankings, K-State has two of the top three recruits in the state of Kansas. Dr. Brewster M. Higley, Smith County, Kansas. And I think that guy was crazy. The discouraging words, by the way, are when practice starts. <laughs> From the No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there you have it, my top ten list of songs that are best describing K-State football right now. 